Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are we doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, what's the temp going to be up in, I have to ask you this, what's the temp going to be up in your neck of the woods? I heard in New York it's going to be 94. It's actually hotter than Miami. You've got some Miami heat going up there? Are you kidding me? It's 80 right now. And my poor <laughs> kid, i got to tell you this, my kid with 13 other people are playing 117 holes today for Oshai Ooh. Children's Hospital with Josh Allen, get it, 117, the number. Right, um, right. So, yeah, they teed off like at 5.30 this morning, and uh, they have to walk, by the way. I wonder how many steps that'll Ooh. be. I don't know. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> Fortunately, so, he's got yeah, youth he's on his side. Yeah, he's got day. youth on his side. I think I'd be having a stroke after about probably 50 holes, uh, if not sooner. But um, good for him. And, and what a great cause, too. And, and kudos to uh, to Jamie and, and the, the rest of them for, for doing it for such a worthy cause. All right, we've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be joined here in just a moment by uh, Gigi Stoll. She's a member of the Epson Tour, and I'll tell you a little bit about her in a second. And then a little, little bit later on, you and I, Cindy, are going to uh, zip into the no BS zone for a great discussion on how to be a player, um, which is much different than what a lot of people might think. But uh, let me introduce uh, Gigi, and then we'll bring her on. She's a native of Beaverton, uh, Oregon. Uh, and she, her uh, rookie year, excuse me, was 2019 uh, on the Epson Tour. And uh, she was also a, uh, uh, competed on the University of Arizona, where she was a member of the team uh, that was crowned the NCAA Women's Division I National Champions in 2018. She also, Cindy, won the Oregon Women's Amateur in 2014, 2015, and 2017, and was named the PNGA Women's Player of the Year in also those same years. And then in 13, she was the PNGA Junior Girls Player of the Year. Uh, currently, her home course is the Reflection Bay Golf Club in Las Vegas, uh, where she practices and gets ready for her time out in the Epson Tour. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Gigi Stoll. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for having me. Maybe we should talk to you about how to be a player. Yeah. <laughs> I was I'd thinking the same help. thing. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Go ahead, Cindy. You, you can go ahead and start us off. 
What do you like most about playing golf? Um, I love the competitive aspect about golf. I mean, I think that's what really drives me. Uh, week in and week out, being able to compete at one of the highest levels um, in golf is what drives me. What is the best part of your game? I tend to think the best part of my game is uh, my driver. Uh, I hit it pretty long and pretty straight, and that helps quite a, quite a bit um, out on tour. Long and straight? <laughs> long and straight. So there was such a thing. I'm straight and yeah. short. I want long and straight. <clears throat> That's awesome. <laughs> Ted, go ahead. Uh, I think someone needs a slapper is what I think. That's Yeah, that's incredible. Um, in fact, I think I was reading the stats. You're averaging about 277 off the tee, so that is that is pretty long. In fact, it's probably more than that, I'm sure, but uh, at least that. Um, definitely a great thing. So what do you find, um, uh, Gigi, the most challenging part of tour life? What, what is that? What is the most difficult part? Obviously, playing is difficult, and that's, uh, that, that's a foregone conclusion, but... Um, what do you find some of the most challenging parts of tour life? I think with the amount of travel that we do and how many weeks that we play throughout uh, the year, I think, um, you know, understanding your energy and making sure mentally you're ready to go uh, when it's time to tee off, um, I think those are two, two of the biggest things. Um, being able to just get out there and not really um, – worry too much about what's going on and just playing the game. Do you find it sometimes, and, and we've asked other players something similar, so I, I want to get your, your take on this. Um, do you find in the sort of the heat of the competitiveness, if you will, that it's, you almost, I don't want to say guilty, but you feel if you're having too much fun out there that maybe you're not, focusing hard enough. A lot of players always say this, and I know it seems like an odd question, but a lot of players always say that, you know what, they forget to have fun. Do you forget to have fun when you're out there sometimes because you're in the heat of the competition? I think having a balance is probably the biggest thing. Um, I, like to, I like to hang out with my friends and, um, you know, hang out with my host families and things like that, and I think that's fun for me. Um, and being able to just kind of, get away from the game for a few hours at night and, and watch some TV or do whatever it is. Uh, that, that keeps you just relaxed. And uh, I think finding that balance is huge. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that's, that's pretty much what a lot of them have said too, is um, when they find themselves grinding too much out there um, and they're not finding that balance, that it's, it's a little overwhelming. Um, do you find that as well sometimes? Absolutely. I mean, Playing 21 weeks out of, you know, the calendar year, it can be grueling at times and, and being able to find out what works best for you. Um, you know, some girls need to practice for five, six hours during the day. I sometimes will go to the golf course and practice for a couple hours, you know, get what I need done and then go home and, and relax and do what I have to do. So, I mean, really it just depends how, how you work um, and finding, finding out what works best for you. So kind of get out there, do it, and then go home and veg for a little while just to relax and unwind, right? Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not the type of player who likes to overdo it. I like to get, mm. you know, I'm quantity over quality, or yeah, quantity over quality. Sorry, <laughs> quality over quantity. Right. So 
Some, sometimes it won't be a super long day um, for me, but I know that I got what I need to get done. Right. So are you, do you think that you're a player, like some players kind of ease into the season, and I don't mean that you don't go out and, and obviously you know, do your best, but are you somebody that kind of needs a few tournaments to kind of really get warmed up, or are you somebody that comes out sort of gangbusters right off the season, and then, you know, as the season goes on, it, you know, it fades a little bit, you know, obviously as, as time and, and your energy starts to, to, to feel it, I guess, as the season goes on, because it is, like you said, 21 events. Are you somebody that comes out, you know, with, with a lot of real energy in the season and is able to really, you know, get what you need to do? done in the first little while or do you need a few tournaments to, under your belt to kind of get warmed up well that's usually the goal is to come out pretty strong but um, I think just like I said kind of maintaining that energy throughout the whole season and being able to keep that competitive drive and keep that energy all the way up to the very end of our season um, I I think I started off pretty good on um, these first mm-hmm. uh, seven events and had a couple good finishes, and I'd like to just continue that and see see how far I can go. Well said, um, Cindy. Go ahead. Tell me about Mission Inn. I I did a tour there for to possibly do a boot camp, but I thought it was really nice. I see you got a top ten last week. Tell us about the course and the facility, and what you like best about it. What did you do really well? Um, I think Mission Inn was a great track for me. Um, it was a pretty um, difficult course, I would say, in relation to the other courses that we play. But um, I, off the tee, uh, I found myself uh, doing pretty well, and then I made quite a few putts, and uh, Mission Inn was just a great venue. I think it was it's not really your traditional Florida course. It's pretty hilly and a lot of tricky little greens here and there, and it's, it's just a, it was a good – uh, good test of golf out there. The, I thought the hotel was pretty cool. You're like, wait a minute, where is this place? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's like a little gem yep. hiding in the woods. Absolutely. It was, it's a beautiful place out there. And if anybody has a chance to go out there, absolutely do it because it's just like a nice little getaway. Awesome. Awesome. Ted? So, Gigi, let me ask you um, to kind of give us an assessment, if you will, of how you feel, uh, not just this season starting off, obviously, uh, you know, you've given us a little indication, but overall since uh, joining the Epson Tour, or actually formerly the Symmetra Tour, um, how do you feel your game overall has been? What what areas do you really feel strong in? Obviously, you mentioned driving earlier on, uh, but what areas, uh, if any, do you think really uh, need some extra attention right now? Well, since I started on the Epson Tour, I feel like mentally I've grown quite a bit. Um, even being able to answer your questions uh, as a as a golfer, um, I feel like I think I was on the show last year with you guys, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I've I've grown even significantly since then. Um, just you know, you you play so many rounds, you understand your game, you get to know yourself better. I think that's probably one of the biggest things is just getting to know yourself better out there on the course so you can help yourself better. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as a golfer, I mean, putting in a lot of hours with my putting, I've I've been grinding on my putting just to really, I felt like I was 
playing really good golf, but I wasn't scoring as well as I wanted. And so I, I really have just been grinding on the putter. And I think that paid off last week, and hopefully I can take some more good putts with me. I think that's a, a good good goal to have to focus on. Um, you know, this is where a lot of, I think, amateurs miss the boat. You know, they they want to, everybody wants to hit long drives, and, you know, that's just sort of the nature of the beast. Um, but they tend to focus on areas that they do really well all the time. They spend most of their time, if, they, if they're good off the tee, that's what they're hitting at the range. If they're, you know, good in another area, that's what they're focused on. They don't seem to want to go after uh, the areas that really need help, and I think that's why so many amateurs struggle. So um, to, to help us sort of go into the next uh, segment a little bit later on in the show, um, you mentioned about, uh, we talked about being a player. When did you know you were a player and not just an everyday golfer? When, when was that sort of switch go off in your mind that said, you know what, I've really got some game and I, I want to see where, where this can go? Well, I started playing golf um, at, with the OGA, Oregon Junior Golf, um, when I was about eight years old. And we would play, I was a peewee, that's what they called it. And we would play <laughs> And, um, well, my dad saw success in me at a really young age. And then I really saw my own personal success um, when I qualified for the U.S. Open. I was 14 years old. And wow. that was probably the highlight of my career obviously at the time and you know I really saw myself playing amongst the LPGA girls and that was that was absolutely the the turning point I would say yeah I think there's a defining moment for all players and and you know there's a lot of players that you know know they're really good golfers but maybe don't feel inside that they're um, uh, what I deem as a player, and there's a difference. There is a difference between just sort of your regular golfers and actually a player, someone that knows how to navigate around the course um, and and go low when they when they need to. And I think that's something that you know is just you 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 can develop it to a point, but there's a certain in, uh, inborn instinct I think um, that you just sort of know. And I think it's with any sport, but uh, golf in particular, because it is a, a challenging uh, game. Um, if you were to do something different other than golf, if golf was not in your wheelhouse or your forte, uh, what do you think that would be? What would you like to do? Well, I love, I love um, sports in general. Uh, I grew up playing basketball. I played basketball until I was a senior in high school. Um, I've always been around most sports. So, I mean, doing something in uh, one of the sports industries would be great maybe commentary maybe being a radio host like you um you know mm -hmm. something that i just love being in, in the game you know whatever game it is and so um you know anything like that very good cindy what do you do for fun i like to hang out i'm pretty uh i'm pretty low-key um, I hang out with my girlfriend, my family. Um, really, when I'm on the road, I get to stay with some really nice families um, and, and some players on tour. So I, I'm, I like to chill. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Where are, ahead, where's the next? Where's the next event, honey? 
We're going to North Carolina, Kinston, North Carolina. And do you when do you start? This week? Is it Friday? I'll leave. I'll leave on Monday uh, of next week, and then we we get started on Friday. Okay. So you're off this week. Off this week. Got a couple of days to recharge. That's good. That's good. Let me ask you: Do people give you grief about not grinding like the rest of the world? Um. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I mean. Like I said, uh, what works for you works for you. And golf, a lot of the time you kind of have to be selfish and just say, this is what I'm doing. I don't really care what anyone else has to say about it, but it works for me. I agree. And here's, here's why I say that, because you have to know what's important and works for you. And some people, um, yeah, they're out there all day long and making themselves bloody and worried and not sure of themselves. And it's, it's just it's it's going to hurt your game rather than help your game. Just sometimes, you know, the committee of they they like to judge and talk, and it's you've got to be your own person. What would you tell a young girl that's thinking about playing, and she has some parents that are real pushy? What would what advice would you give her? The biggest thing uh, when I was growing up was. You know, just to make it fun, uh, my dad would always have little incentives. Or I would go down to the chipping range, and he would tell me, all right, for every shot that you hit inside three feet, you'll make 10 cents. And for every shot you hit inside five feet, you'll make five cents. So I would go down to the chipping range, and I had to be so honest. And I would go down there, and I would come back and say, hey, I made $25 today. And I would just be so happy about it. <laughs> But just little things, you know, to, to keep the game fun and keep it really interesting. I think the, finding your balance even then, you know, what's fun and, and what's a grind. And that's just how you totally. keep the game fun. Totally agree. Ted? Wow, I wish I had a thought of that. <laughs> I could have made some money <laughs> when I was a kid. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Boy, you had a nice dad. You, you had a nice dad, let me tell you, because my dad wouldn't have done that. Um, but no, you know, that's so that's a great point though. I just want to touch on that for a second because it might seem very simplistic to some people to hear, well, okay, that's a, a cute story and that. But to go to Cindy's point, there are a lot of parents out there that they think their their kids going to be the next Annika or or you know, for the guys maybe the next Tiger or what have you. And they're push 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 push. And here your dad took a different approach. You know, he gave you an opportunity to earn you know, a little, little money. Um, hopefully you didn't, you didn't take him to the bank, but, um, but, um, he presented an opportunity that encouraged you to want to be better. Um, he didn't say, well, you know, you either do this or do that. He said, look, go down and do that. And if you do this, here's what I'm going to do. So he gave you some incentive and some encouragement, uh, to be able to do that. And it was really up to you from that point how you chose to, to proceed. You could have just gone down there and, you know, sat and did nothing for an hour. I mean, obviously, you know, as you said, you were honest, but, um, and just come back. But you rose to the challenge and said, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know, do my best. And, hey, uh, it obviously worked out. And it taught you a lot of very valuable lessons. 
Um, what were some other things, just sort of staying on this point for a second, what were some other things that your dad, obviously your dad was very influential earlier on in your, your golfing uh, uh, you know, uh, interest, if you will. What were some other things that he would do um, to, uh, again, offer that encouragement and, and help lead you in the right direction? One of the things that stands out most, I grew up playing golf uh, at Portland Golf Club, and the 11th hole is has a, a lake in the middle of it. Um, and the ladies' tees uh, were on the right side, and, and you would hit over maybe 10 yards of water. So mm-hmm. I started as a, I don't know, eight, seven, eight-year-old, and I would hit on the ladies' tees, and my goal would just to be to hit it over that 10 yards of water. And so I did that, and then eventually I would, once I could get it over that water, I would move back to the men's tees, and he just wanted me to hit it pretty much as hard as I could, (laughs) and I would try and get it over the water. And so once we got back to the men's tees, it was probably about a a 100-yard carry. And so I would get back there, and I would hit the ball, and I would hit the ball, and I would hit it until I could get it over the water, and that would maybe take a month or it would take a week and it just really depended. But I think that was probably one of the biggest things that helped me just be aggressive off the tee and be able, not be afraid to swing hard. Um, and mm-hmm. so just playing little games like that growing up, I think that is, you know, still a part of how I play today. I swing hard and I, I, I think instilling um, good habits and, you know, instilling confidence in your kid that they can really do anything is probably the biggest part about the parent-child relationship when it comes to being mm-hmm. a mentor to somebody who, you know, doesn't really know the game of golf. Right. And and obviously it, it created an atmosphere for you that you were able to um, say um, – hey, this is something I really enjoy doing, Dad. I want to get better at it, as opposed to, oh, God, i got to go to the range again because he wants me to do this and he wants me to do that. Do you, you see what I'm getting at? And, again, that goes to Cindy's point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of parents that take a much different approach and make it so that the child, at the end of the day, doesn't. I mean, who once loved golf suddenly has no desire or interest in playing because it's just too high pressure. And it's not the good kind of pressure where you're out there battling it out amongst your peers. It's pressure of performance, uh, which creates a lot of anxiety, which brings me to um, this particular question. What do you do? Cause it happens to everybody. I don't care who you are, the best of the best. What do you do when you're not, or you don't feel you're playing your best and you kind of get into that little bit of a pit what do you do? What do you say to yourself to help turn things around? What is it that you do, if at all? Do you say something? Do you do something that turns that around and gets you back on a good path? Usually you're just one swing away from, you know, feeling, feeling better. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. so I think there was a, there's a kind of a viral little post going around right now, and it's about Tiger, and he just says, I'm plodding along, and that was kind of his thing always. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, in those times, just to to keep plodding along and just keep going, and, you know, even if you have to give yourself a little pep talk, say, hey, it's fine, keep going, we got this, whatever you have to do, just to keep yourself in that frame of mind. I mean, it's easy to get down, but you're always one shot, one swing away from just clicking again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it is all about the current shot. You know, um, you know, seeing I joke quite often about you know people bringing their baggage to the golf course with them from you know past bad rounds, past bad holes, or what have you. Um, and you can't do that. Somebody at your level cannot do that. You cannot afford. Otherwise, you'd be you'd be gone, because you have to be able to stay in the moment and focus on the shot at hand. And once that shot's done, you know, win, lose, or draw, you're on to the next shot uh, and the next and so on and so forth. So what happened before, you can certainly learn from that, and, and hopefully you do, as, and, and I think as a better player you do. You know, you mentioned earlier about how over the last few years you've, you've started to learn, certainly your mental strength has, has developed even that much more. And that's just part of the cycle of life. At, no matter what you do, is that you you learn from mistakes, you and you move on, but you don't dwell on them. And I think again, that's something else that a lot of amateurs have is they're not able to do that. Um, so, Cindy asked you a question about um, some of the young girls. What would you do for somebody that's maybe um, looking for a little extra distance? What do you do when you need a little extra distance? How could that maybe some tip that you could give them. I know you can't visually show them, but maybe you could just walk us through something that would help them because everybody's looking for extra yards. Yeah. Um, well, when I like to hit a little bit longer ball, so traditionally I hit a, a fade. When I like to hit a longer ball, I'll try and put a little right to left, hit a little draw on the ball just to get it rolling a little bit more. Um, and then really I, I like to keep my tempo pretty pretty much the same as you know, a, a smooth swing, but at the top or I'll, I'll just give it a little extra umph, and that doesn't really mean swing out of your shoes, but just to give it a little draw and really commit to the shot, I'll, you'll, you'll see yourself getting a, a couple extra yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Cindy? Have you always been long? Yeah, I've always been above average. Um, it helps. I've been usually taller than most of the girls that I play against, and that, that usually gives me a couple extra yards on them. I agree. What do you like to work on the most? Probably short game. I think at this level, everybody strikes the ball pretty well. But, you know, getting up and down and scoring, like I talked about before, just grinding on the putter and making sure that you're feeling really confident with the putter in your hands, that's usually where you'll score week in and week out. Got it. Got it. What would you tell someone to be able to work on and improve their distance control? Hitting a lot of shots, I think with the technology that we have, you can get on, you know, track mans and things like that where you can kind of dial in and see your numbers visually. I think a lot of people who play well don't really know exactly how far they hit shots and things like that. So if you really want to, you know, take your game to the next level, seeing those numbers and understanding why why I have why I come inside or why I do the things that I do are probably the biggest things. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Ted? Interesting. Um, Last question, um, Gigi, and then we'll we'll let you go because I know you've got stuff to do. Um, 
I'm sure you've had the opportunity to play in a few programs in your day. What's the biggest mistake you see a lot of the amateurs make? What's one of the things that really stands out to you? Kind of what we've been talking about a little bit is, you know, a lot of amateurs get so down on themselves. I hear a lot of players who they'll they'll say they're hitting a bad shot before they've even hit the shot. <laughs> and a lot of the times <laughs> that just won't work for you. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's like, oh, this one's gonna skip. This one's gonna. This one's gonna skip into the pond, and they haven't even hit the shot yet. So, yeah, I, I agree. And I think also, Cindy, you, I know you you've said this many times yourself. Probably another big one is their club selection. Is they they underestimate what uh, and don't use enough club. So instead of you know hitting a five iron they're thinking they're going to make it with their six because they don't know their distances, which goes to Cindy's last uh, question, is they don't understand the distances they're actually hitting uh, or averaging with that club. So they think, well, I hit this six iron, you know, 180, let's say, as an example, so I know I can make it this time. But that may be one time they've hit it that distance. The rest of the time they may be only hitting at 170 or 165 or whatever it might be. And so they're pulling that club out the next time they're faced with a 180 shot but maybe it needs to be their five iron. What do you think about that? You know, it's funny about that. I have played in quite a few pro-ams, and, and my caddy and I will will actually tell players the wrong number so they'll actually hit a higher club. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to do that. We gotta, yeah. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. You know, I think a lot of coaches, maybe a lot of coaches need to start doing that. I'm going to have to remember that. That's uh, that's a good one. But, you know, all kidding aside, though, that that is so true. I mean, you know, and, and I know, Cindy, you've played in a lot of pro-ams, and, and obviously, Gigi, you have as well. But that's a, a problem for a lot of our, our high-handicap golfers as they get out there. And even if they're playing, even if they're good enough to play in a pro-am um, and they're hitting some good shots, that is, I think, Cindy, would you agree that's probably one of the top issues that you see is, is uh, misclubbing when it gets up, when they get out there? Yeah, they're in denial. They think they hit it better, than, further than they do. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. Yeah, it, it's amazing. But, uh, well, Gigi, we want to thank you for joining us uh this morning on the women of golf and we're going to let you go so you can relax a little bit enjoy your time off you're going to be working on your game a little bit this week too though yep preparing and getting ready always good stuff well good luck next week in north carolina and um good luck the rest of the season and and go out and win and come back and, and visit us again all right thank you both for having me really appreciate it have a great right. time bye-bye bye-bye thank you Gigi Stoll, very, very, um, very interesting young lady. Um, you know, I think she's got a good, you know, and I know this sounds a little bit cliche, Cindy, but, you know, we say this a lot, but these, these girls are, are good, not just good out in the golf course, but off the golf course. They really understand themselves, and that's a point you always make a lot is, is getting to know yourself, I think is extremely important. And it sounds like she's had a good start. You know, her dad obviously... Uh, educated her well uh, early on in the game and uh, and incentivized her in I think in the right way um, but she's grabbed the you know the reins herself and has gone out there and 
you know, given her all and given her best, and I think she's going to do very well. What do you think? I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be great. It's a matter of time, just learning. That's part of the yeah. test. they got to give them enough time to learn how to do this. Let me ask you something, and I wanted to ask you a question. It, made me, it just made me uh, think about this. Do you think it's it's better, and again, every player is different. I get that, so it's it's kind of a generic question. Do you think it's better for um, somebody, I mean, obviously, this is going to seem redundant, but do you think it's better for a player that comes out and wins big early, like right from the gate, or sort of eases into it? From a, for a, from a career standpoint, because and the reason why I ask that, and I mean no disrespect, you know, you look at somebody like John Daly, who went out and won the the PGA Championship in '91, uh, right from the gate. Certainly won a few other things, but then his career, and I, I know there's other reasons and factors involved. But do you think sometimes if they come out winning big too early, that that can also work against them in some ways, or no? I think it depends on the person. You know, I think if sure. they get a little too and think they're too better than they are, then it's always going to hurt. But I think if they're grounded, I don't think it'll hurt. I think it'll just help them learn to believe in themselves and that they truly deserve to be there and they know what they're doing. Did you watch any of the match plays this past weekend, the LPJ? I not, but I watched the PGA, but we talked about that last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. The... Uh, the match play was really, really good. A um, lot of great young ladies. Uh, in fact, Lillian yeah, Hu, who yeah, was, yeah. was on. I watched the women. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, some great, great, uh, um, interesting shots and great finish. And, and as I said, uh, Lillian Hu was um, on the show. Uh, I think it was last year she might have been on, but she's been on the show, I think, actually a couple of times as a winner on the uh, Epson Tour. But she uh, uh, did extremely well and has got a really good uh, career out in the LPGA. Uh, all right, we're going to zip into the no BS zone and, and talk about being a player. And I, I want to actually preface this because it really should be being a good player because there is a difference. I mean, uh, there is a difference in being a player and just you know a, re- a regular weekend warrior and that. And so you ask your question, so you want to become a player. Um, and I think one of the things, there's a lot of different things, and, and some we may agree on, some we may not, but I think, obviously, your game needs to be built around ball striking. You've got to be, if, I'm, I'm talking about if you want to be a good player, um, you've got to be a good ball striker. You don't have to be the best, but you've got to be consistent uh, ball striker. What do you think on that? I think that's number one. And, and to be honest with you, for anyone that wants to go, wants to play the game, unless you're just going out there to take a walk with a stick and a ball and have fun and not keep score, if that's you, just know that you might drive other players crazy because you'll probably be slow. But anyone that really chooses to work on their game, you have to be able to hit the ball where you want it to go somewhere close to where you want it to go. So I think ball striking is absolutely number one. You have to have the essential skills to be able to put the ball somewhat somewhere near where you want it to go, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and you don't necessarily have to be, and we've talked about this as well even, even today, you don't have to necessarily be tremendously long, um, but you need to be accurate. Um, and 
And, and I'm talking about being a good player. Obviously, anybody can be a player, but if you really want to go low and you want to, uh, and I don't necessarily mean a, a tour player, I'm just saying a, being a good uh, player, yeah, you've got to be a really good ball striker, and you've got to be accurate. You've got to be hitting gr- uh, a lot of greens in regulation. Uh, if you're missing greens all the time and you're not accurate, um, then you better have a stellar short game and be able to get up and down uh, and save those pars because otherwise, um, you know, you're just going to be floundering out there. And I think, you know, skills are certainly one thing, but you also have to, you know, really good players have a very strong belief system. They believe um, is, is something they believe in themselves. Uh, and that makes a, a big difference. You know, players have a deep belief in their ability, where regular golfers just sort of go, out, well, it's like we talked about earlier, well, you know, um, maybe I'll hit a good shot here, maybe I won't. You're not going to be a good player if you have that attitude. Um, am I am I right on the right path on that one? Yeah, but I think you develop the belief by working right. on your game. And I, think, I think if new people would understand that once you start to play the game, if you fall in love and you get bitten by the bug, that you mm-hmm. will always be working on something. And when mm-hmm. I was doing some clinics for the Hartford on the Epson tour, I would have all the girls that were helping me with the clinic introduce themselves. Where are you from? How long have you played? Where would you go to college? And what are you working on? And I asked them that question because I wanted the audience, you know, the participants from Hartford to understand that even though they're on the tour, they're working on something. And that's what I think most people don't understand. They they think there's an end goal. I've arrived. I've got it now. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Those who get bitten by the bug understand that there's always something to work on. And the reason that really good players believe in themselves is because they've worked on their game over a period of time and they understand where their weaknesses might be and then they're willing to try to improve on those weaknesses, which is what Gigi just said. You know, I'm on the putting green. She hits a 275, 280. She doesn't need to, you know, and straight, long and straight. Well, excuse me, the only thing she needs (laughs) you know, getting down, and she shoot under par every time she plays because hitting it that far, she's got to reach every par five and two, which means she should be four under par, you know, mm-hmm. which, again, if you simplify it that way, it makes sense. So she's always working on her weakness, which is what we should all be doing. Right, exactly. And we know that golf is an incredibly difficult uh, game, uh, and it doesn't matter how great you are, you're definitely going to make mistakes during your round. But I think the difference, though, Cindy, um, with a player, a good player, and the rest of us, uh, if you will, is that they know they can recover from those mistakes. Um, you don't see really good players um, at that level um, of play make a lot of uh, mistakes in a row. Um, so they have a very strong mental fortitude, uh, obviously, some good course management skills, and obviously uh, the the uh, physical talent uh, has to be there as well. But that's something when you look at, uh, I think a, a better player is the main difference. Is you know they make mistakes too, just like everybody else. They hit bad shots. The difference is they know how. To, you know, I always go back to Tiger. I remember uh, one of the first Buick. I think it was the very first Buick Open that he played, and he hit 
into, I, I believe it was in the, uh, not quite the adjacent fairway, but he was pretty darn close. And he carved a six iron around the trees and ended up like 10 feet from the hole. And people were just, a, you know, aghast, like they couldn't believe that he just pulled this off. And the point is that even though he made a mistake by hitting it off the, the, his, his fairway of play, if you will, he knew how to recover from that mistake. And that's where a lot of um, better players surpass um, the not-so-good players or, or not-as-good players. What do you think there? Well, I think there's two parts to that. I think, number one, they know how to get out of trouble. Two, they know how to fix their swing. So um, if they understand their swing, which all players should, then mm-hmm. they know what their tendencies are. And when you know what your tendencies are, you can fix what you do, tend to do wrong, so that you can get back on track so you don't miss shots all day. Those who have no idea why they miss it will miss it all day and not have a whole lot of fun. So right. that said, you know, there's two parts to that. You need to know what are my tendencies, how can I fix it, and then when I do miss it, I don't freak out and I can make stuff up in my head to get back on track or to chip it out mm-hmm. of the woods. And I, I also believe that it takes a certain type of player, if you will, um, some that, you know, gutsy, pulling shots off. Mm-hmm. And again, he could, Tiger could have hit that shot and hit five threes and made triple, but he was willing right. to take the risk. You know, it's the risk reward and what's your personality style and are you willing to go for it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So it's all of the above, but you got to know how to fix yourself. Yeah, and I think that also comes uh, where confidence comes in, and I think that's why he, you know, when you're when you have that level of confidence that that somebody like a tiger has, you're able and willing to take those greater risks because even though it's still a, you know, there, there's a, a high risk of it not coming off, as you just pointed out he has enough confidence in his game that he knows that a majority of the time he can pull off. Again, he may not have gotten it 10 feet. to. I mean, that was you know unusual, I'm sure. But he knows he could have gotten it back in, into a good position, probably on the green somewhere else or very close to the green and you know get his up and down. But So he has a level of confidence in his game. And again, because he knows his game, he knows his swing, he knows what he can and cannot do. And obviously, he could do a heck of a lot. Um, so having that confidence coming in makes a world of difference. And this is where a lot of our amateurs, I think, really fall short. And the other thing is, too, you know, everybody wonders, well, how do I get to that level? How do I get to be a, a better player? And as I said, there, there are different players. There are players that just go out and, and have a good time, and, 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 and that's great. But then there's those that really want to get better. And in order to do that, there's certain prerequisites, if you will, to becoming a better player. And the first one, I think, is you need to be playing and practicing quite a bit. Um, you know, you're not going to be a really good player if you're going out, you know, once every couple of weeks or even once a week is not um, – you, you can still be a decent player, but if you want to be a really good player um, and score well and, and that, you've got to be playing and practicing quite a bit. Um, and you need to do something golf-related almost every day. And what I mean by that is 
if you don't have time to go to the range um, and spend 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever, there's things that you can do at home. I mean, if nothing else, this pandemic has shown us. I mean, look at all of the videos that we've seen over the, the last couple of years of some of the players, Cindy, that were doing things at home because they couldn't get to a golf course um, for some time. Uh, am I right here? I mean, I think you've got to be playing and you've got to be practicing, but I think there's things that you can be doing each day if it's even five, ten minutes working on your grip, what have you. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree. I think that if you know what you're working on, and and to me, it's are you paying attention? Let's say you're working on your game and you want to break 100, and you've mm. got a series of lessons that you're taking from a professional. While you're at the lesson, you need to ask questions. And, and again, at every at the end of every lesson, I'm like, okay, what did you learn today? What do you need to do? What are your swing thoughts and triggers? Do you understand what I've told you, right? Mm-hmm. And then I mm-hmm. say to them, I want you to write down notes in your phone of what you learned today. And then you can mm-hmm. go work on them. And And if you don't know what you're doing then you can't work on it, then it's not going to get better, then the old habits are going to come right back, and then you're back in the same old pit. So I think it's paying attention. Again, I I played seven holes Sunday night. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sunday night. I hit balls for 10 minutes yesterday, right? Why? Because mm-hmm. I didn't have any other time. But every time I'm doing that, I'm paying attention to what I'm working on. So you right. need to know what you're working on. It has to work for you, and then you can you can mentally practice it anywhere. And then I don't believe you need to do it as much physically. But if you don't know, right. you're wasting your time. And then it's, yeah. you're going to get back to where it's first. Right, and and you need to find a balance um, between effective practice and playing, um, and you need to be experiencing live action all the time, if you will. And what I mean by that is you need to be, um, you know, it's great to go and hit balls at the range, but you've also got to get out there and play and put it into practice um, out on the golf course. Um, even if it's just a fun round, if, you know, you're not maybe playing with your friends, but if you get like you did where you're just playing seven holes, you need to put what you've learned out on the lesson tee under real uh, pressure situations. And if you do that often enough, then you develop, again, a confidence. Even if you're making some bad shots here and there, um, you're still seeing how the ball's reacting in real-life situations. Um, and you want to be able, as you said, you want to take good notes as well. That's a perfect opportunity. If you're out there, if you've got a, a situation where maybe you can get in a quick nine or something some evening like later in the day, uh, that and, and you're by yourself. Or Sometimes what I'll do is here locally, there's a nice little par three I'll go up to, and it's just nine holes, and I'll go up and I'll play that, work on my short game, work on my putting, work on my chipping, work on my uh, you know, approaches to the, to the greens and so forth. And I will spend that time, and then I'll make notes and say, okay, well, here's what I did, and here's what I didn't do, and here's what I need to work on. Because uh, I've got to keep my game sharp, too, if I want to you know, continue teaching in that, so, and, and obviously having some uh, enjoyment. Um, the other one, too, Cindy, is uh, tempers and negativity uh, really need no, be no part of your game. You've got to maintain a positive and up sort of lifting uh, attitude, and particularly, uh, you've got to be willing and able to keep your emotions at bay. Your thoughts here? Uh, yeah, your emotional control. 
And again, mm-hmm. you know, why do you get off? Well, because you hit stupid shots, and then you have to say, you know, you get about two to three seconds to react, and then you have to respond and say, okay, why did the ball go where it went, and what did I do with the club that made that happen? Again, you got to mm-hmm. understand that you're the only one holding the club. So becoming aware of what you just did with the club, and and most people have no idea because most people Mm -hmm. are trying to hit the ball and they're not trying to swing the club. So the goal is to learn how to swing the club to get the essential skills to be able to hit the shot where you want it to go so you can learn to score. It's not Mm -hmm. to hit the ball, you know. Right, right, exactly. Swing it right. and. Yeah, exactly. And, and as we said earlier, you know, your ball striking needs to be good enough uh, to be able to keep the, the ball in play as much as possible. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some situations where it's going to get out of, uh, out of play and uh, you may have to uh, incur a penalty or, or may have to, you know, uh, hit a provisional, uh, depending where, what, where it's happened on, on your, uh, your round. But, um, and that means you, you try to avoid major trouble off the tee and with your approach shots. And the, and the other thing is most better players are very good course managers. Uh, they don't take unnecessary risks. Now, obviously, Tiger, was a, as I mentioned earlier, uh, was a bit of an anomaly. He, he could do some things that most people couldn't do. Um, and they manage their game on the course through smart club selections, which we touched on earlier uh, with Gigi. And they choose a target that gives them a, the best opportunity to score while at the same time limiting big mistakes. Your thoughts? Well, I think you've got to plan your shot, and, mm-hmm. and it depends on your behavior style because like someone that like Tiger, which is a high-D, competitive, um, driven person, will tend to want to take more risks and will play with you know, lots of birdies but a couple doubles and maybe a triple because they're explosive and they take more risks. Whereas someone like Ernie Els and Jason Duffner and my husband, Alan, their high S's, they just plot along and want to hit fairways and greens and tend not to take risks. So someone mm-hmm. like Tiger would have a 50-50 chance of pulling it off, whereas someone like Ernie Els probably has to have a 70-30 chance right. excuse me, of pulling it Therefore, you know, they're not freaking out when they hit the shot. If they are comfortable with the chances of, you know, the risk-reward, if you will, then they're going to tend to make a better swing when they make that decision. Did I, I couldn't agree more. Question? Yeah, you certainly did. Uh, and one of the, the, I think the last thing uh, that we'll throw in here as well is, and I'm talking about the players, the really good players, their short games are skilled enough to save par the majority of the time, and you want to obviously avoid those dreaded three putts. Um, you know, two putts we can live with, three putts a definite no-no. Um, obviously, we want to get a you know a, a healthy number of one putts in there if we can, but realistically, if we can get them down to even two putts, uh, we're going to reduce the scores. So, so really, just in, in, in a very quick recap is obviously ball striking. Is, is first and foremost, you've got to be able to hit with consistency. You don't have to be incredibly long, but you've got to be able to hit consistently good, solid shots, and you want to be able to keep the ball in play um, the majority of time, and obviously that's ultimately the, the goal that we want. Um, but if you can do that, you increase your chances of success. 
And you want to make sure that, again, if you're not going to be long, that you're at least accurate. Um, you know, that's uh, something that I think most players should focus on more. And, and length will come. You can, you can get a few extra yards here and there, but it's very hard to get accuracy if you're bombing at 270 yards and it's hooking or slicing, you know, in the weeds. Uh, your temper uh, or negative thoughts um, uh, are going to bring you down. If you're, you know, having a, a bad hole, let it go. Move on to the next shot. Um, you can't change the past. The, the future hasn't happened yet. There's only now. Um, and develop a, a good course management uh, style. You know, um, you don't have to copy anybody else, but you have to find ways of navigating around that golf course. And one of the things that you can do is do a little research, even at your own course, even if you've played your own course a thousand times. There's always something that you can learn. So be a good course manager, and I think that's going to help, and definitely work on your short game. That's something that Gigi talked about, that she works on her short game, because she knows she can hit it a mile. She knows she can hit it straight and accurate down the fairway, but her short game is what lets her down a little bit, and you're right. I think if she worked on that, uh, which she is, uh, and, and secures that, she's going to really go low. Um, and I think that's some of the things that you need to do to be a good player. Wouldn't you agree? Totally agree. Totally agree. The other thing, you know, people come in and, and what do you want to work on? Well, I got to hit my driver. And I, and I said, oh. okay. And I, I watch them warm up and they're topping a seven iron, right? Yeah. And, and I say, well, do you realize that you only hit your driver 14 times? And if you shoot 100 yeah. or 110, you know, we got a lot of other shots that we could fix that will help mm-hmm. you score better. And I just don't think they realize you can really score better if you're just in play. So I think, you know, realistic expectations, that's what it is. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. And I think what it is, I have a really good friend of mine who's a a teaching pro for 30-plus years in the PGA, and he said you have to decide whether or not you just want to go out there and swing for the hills or you want to be a player. And a player is not about being perfect out in the golf course, but it's about managing yourself, and it's about scoring. The bottom line is it's a game of scoring. And the higher the score, it's not like basketball where you want to have a high score or most other sports, you want to have a low score. And the only way to do that is to become a better player. And that is certainly you have to work on your skill set to, to be a better player, but you also have to manage yourself better on the golf course. And if you're, if you're not really very – if you're – the truth of the matter is, if you're a good organizer, if you're able to organize your thoughts uh, and you're able to organize your actions, you can become a very good player. If you're not, if you're sort of willy-nilly all over the place, uh, then you're going to continue to struggle. So you have to prioritize, and again, as you said uh, just here in closing, is you have to, have, um, you have to be realistic with your expectations. Um, it's going to take time. Golf is a, is a, a continual journey. It's, it's like life. It doesn't just all of a sudden poof. Some people are born uh, very skilled and very talented. They're just you know, physically able to do a lot of things sports-wise and whatnot. And others, the rest of us, uh, have to work at a little bit harder than some. Um, and I think if you do that and you're willing to put the time and the effort in, and again, there's a lot of things that you can do at home even if you can't always make it out to the range or, or to the golf course, but you've got to be doing something. Um, but anyways, great discussion. Uh, very interesting. And I think uh, hopefully uh, if you... Just joining us late, 
Uh, you can listen to the recorded version. Just go back uh, to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf at the end of the show, and the recorded version will be there, and you can listen to this over again and hopefully pick up some tips. But on that note, we want to thank once again our very special guest, Gigi Stoll uh, from the Epson Tour. Uh, good luck again, and thank you for joining us. And as always, Sunit, it's a pleasure. Um, and <laughs> I'm interested next week to hear how Jamie uh, survived his, uh, um, his long uh, – Extra long uh, rounds of golf. Uh, God, 100. What did you say? 117 holes. Yeah, and it's funny because his brother Matt texted me. He goes two rounds. Two <coughs> rounds are done. Ten birdies and one eagle. <laughs> wow. God. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll let you yeah. Know. Well, a good start. Yeah, I'm interested to see it. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us. We'll get an update next week on on Jamie how how well he did. Um, but thanks, as always, for joining Cindy and I here on the Women of Golf. God bless, and have a great uh, rest of your week. We'll see you next week here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Cindy. Bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.